Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler, and joining me as always is my co-host, Smitty. I mentioned last week that, at least for the YouTube viewers, that I'd have a different background. So just some personal news. My wife and I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, We'll be here for at least the next year. Um, So we'll see after that. But we're we're slowly getting back towards Pittsburgh. So who knows? Maybe in a year (laughs) we'll finally make it back all the way. Um, But no longer in Utah. I think you got like two years left. I think next year will probably be like, I don't know, North Carolina or something like that. And then, yeah. And then maybe in 2025 back in Pennsylvania. I don't know if I go to North Carolina and I'm near the beach. What if I, maybe I don't leave. Yeah. That's going to be a tough sell. Um, Anyways, uh, we are going to continue as always, with the Isla Keen Fund, um, the GoFundMe link to that will be in the description wherever you are watching or listening to this. We're going to keep doing the same uh, with Chasing M's and Pittsburgh Clothing Company shirts as well. Um, I think that's about it in terms of links that you will find to other stuff in here, at least for now. Uh, oh, I do want to say, and I don't know if Tyler saw my tweet or if anybody watched or listening to this saw my tweet. I'm thinking about, so on here, obviously, love doing this podcast, love all this content, but it's it's pretty much just Pittsburgh-based. I mean, around the 412, we got to stay primarily based and talking about Pittsburgh sports. I'm thinking about starting a second YouTube channel for sports content that's not related to Pittsburgh and some different stuff. So you may see the, if I do that before... You know, next week's episode, I might also throw the link to that second channel in here. Shameless plug on my own stuff. Uh, I'll be sure to edit it out. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I mentioned, uh, and, and this is a great way to start off the show, very good vibes in Pittsburgh lately. Andrew McCutcheon is back. He's a Pittsburgh Pirate, and that's where we got to start this week's show. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've really had some Pirates news to talk about, but what a feel-good moment. Like, 36 years old at this point. I, I still think he's going to be able to contribute something. I think if you if you look at his numbers, he's still going to be able to get on base at one of the better rates on the roster uh, against lefties. And I think he's going to be playing quite a decent bit. Like, I don't think this is just strictly a move to make fans happy, but at the same time, it's obviously going to do that too. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are there on opening day that might otherwise not have been. But, I mean, this is just such a feel-good moment for an organization and a franchise that really needed one, bringing Andrew McCutcheon back. Yeah, whether they they did it by accident or did it on purpose, they definitely made a positive PR move. Um, And and I I think that it was much needed and well-timed because it seemed like we were kind of at the tipping point for a lot of Pirates fans and a lot of diehard Pirates fans as as, as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I think it's great for even outside of just the PR, like you were saying. I think we had mentioned before that it's good to have for for such a young team – to be able to have some of that veteran presence. And, and, and I mean, a guy like Kutch, you can't really get a better veteran presence for an organization like this than him because he's the guy who took them to the postseason for that three-year stretch from 13 to 15, was able to get them out of that losing streak. So who knows? Maybe even if he doesn't do it offensively or with his play on the field, he would be able to do it with his leadership in the locker room as well. And it is only on that one year deal, but who knows? Maybe that it could be, it could turn into one, two, a couple of years. Maybe he just signs one year deals until he decides to retire. Who knows? But I, I think it's great to see Kutch back in Pittsburgh, whether it makes the team better on the field or not. I, I mean, I think it does, but at the same time, I, I really don't care if it did um, just because I, I think that, this is we we talked all last year that you and I really just wanted something to care about watching for and mm-hmm. stuff like that where some of the younger guys like whenever O'Neill Cruz came up to me Andrew McCutcheon and, and me and along with pretty much everybody else in Pittsburgh it, this is going to be a reason to actually care about the Pirates because like I said whether it makes them a better team or not and gets them over that hump I don't think it'll get them over the hump I do, do think it makes them a little bit better of a team I, I just think it is such a big move to bring that that guy back to the city where it all began. I mean, th- this actually makes people want to go see the ball club again, whether they're winning or losing. Yeah, like I, I mean, opening day is the is the one that I presented really, but I think that you're going to see fans that that going to games that otherwise wouldn't have throughout the season. Um, you know, typically fans are like, oh, maybe like on a weekend or like if there's promotional stuff, maybe depending on who the away team is coming to town. But I think bringing Andrew McCutcheon back into the fold here, you're going to see fans that otherwise wouldn't have been there 
being there. Um, I, I do want to say too, looking at it real quick, I, I've seen, I'm not like super optimistic about the team this year. I think they're going to be better than last year, but on paper, like I've seen them do worse. We've seen them do way worse than this. Their projected lineup right now, O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Key Brian Hayes, G-Man Choi, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, Rodolfo Castro, Jack Sawinski, Austin Hedges. Yeah, I, I think mean, they can do a lot that's worse. That's not bad. That's not bad, yeah. especially compared to some of the lineups we've seen the past couple of years. I, I, I think they could, could do a lot worse. Um, and, and like you were saying with the people that are going to come out to the ballpark just because, I, I think that you can see that from look at when Kutch would come to town whenever he was on an opposing team and the ovations that Kutch would still get even several years after that trade. Now he's going to get that that ovation in black and gold. So I, I, I think it's all the more reason to come to the ballpark this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and like we said, we're saying from like a baseball perspective, I think, you know, when you look at what he's still able to do and did on base against lefties, this wasn't just a PR move. I think that this was a baseball move too. I think they desperately needed a bat that could hit lefties, even if that ends up being, so I mentioned Jack Swinski in there. Maybe it works out where like some other guy pops, like if Andy Rodriguez comes up, but he's not able to play behind the plate and you throw him out into the outfield sometimes and you have like McCutcheon and Swinski be a platoon or something like that. Maybe that's the way it works out. I also, you mentioned like it being just a one-year deal, $5 million. I'm curious if this is going to be it. I, I think this is definitely the last team he signs with. He's going to finish his career in Pittsburgh, yeah. but we could see, you know, an additional year next year. Like I think this is him saying from his side, because he had more money on the table from the Mets. He had this exact same offer from Minnesota. I think this is him saying like, I, I want to finish my career in Pittsburgh, but this is also a really good time because the next couple of years here could be fun when he looks yeah. at this lineup. Yeah. I mean, looking at the lineup, that could be the case. And like, like kind of like what I was saying, like, it could just be like one year at a time. He could just sign one year deals until either the club or himself just doesn't want to play baseball anymore. But hopefully looking at the lineup that we have and what we've been talking about for years, I know we've been kind of down more recently about the future of this ball club, but like we're hoping mm -hmm. that we're getting towards a position where they are competing a little bit more, whether that happens this year or not, I don't know. But I, I think that we are looking at with, with like 2024, maybe that could be the case. So maybe Kutch could be the part of that. I mean, because we always talk about like good teams have those like veteran guys to to really be good locker room presence for the whole thing. And that's a guy that's been there and done that, especially in this organization. So, yeah, I, I think this is a great move and could be a great move for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it's just nice to see them adding to the major league club. Um, you know, I know you you look at the age of some of these guys. It's obviously like you know, they're well past their prime. But when you talk about, I mentioned that potential starting lineup. Three of those guys were just brought in this year in free agency in Choi, Santana, and McCutcheon. Then you have Rich Hill, obviously a starting pitcher who it, getting up there in age, obviously, but still relatively effective. Yarlene Garcia to, for the bullpen. I'm curious to see how the Vince Velasquez signing works out. I'm not all that, you know hype about that one but you know maybe he's a back-end rotation guy or he yep. ends up fitting into like that swingman role where i would prefer him to be but it's just nice to see them making additions for the major league club um at this point so i'm just happy about that i mentioned andy rodriguez um he was somebody north shore nine who we haven't talked about on here for a long time i feel like but shout out to those guys who do talk about the pirates year round we you know always talk about gary and jim on pirates fan forum and what they do but north shore nine too you know tip of the cap to those guys for continuing to talk about the pirates in the off season. Um, they just had Michael McHenry on and they were talking about Andy Rodriguez a little bit. It, I was already excited for this guy, but here McHenry talked about him, got me even a little bit more fired up. Um, just a superb athlete behind the plate. And maybe he doesn't stick behind the plate. Although he said he's hearing really good things about how he is developing as a catcher, <laughs> but I'm just excited for the bat. Like that, that's where I'm at with it. Like, I think that there's not many catchers that can provide offense with a bat. And if you look at his minor league numbers stacked up to some guys that have come up, like McHenry mentioned, he's not saying that he's going to be this good of a hitter, but the numbers mirror Bryce Harper's in the minors, what he was doing down there. So, I mean, he's crushing it at all levels. This is a prospect that's been a fast riser. Like we've all been talking about like Henry Davis being the guy behind the plate. Andy Rodriguez is going to be the one that gets up here sooner. So how soon do you think that we see him though? Like, do you think it's going to be this year? Do you think it's kind of like in that O'Neill Cruz super two type thing where we could see him like June or July? Yeah. I, th I think the soonest that you're going to see him is at least June. 
Um, just because you, we know how the Pirates operate. If they weren't going to br- bring up O'Neill Cruz earlier last year, they're not going to bring up Andy Rodriguez earlier this year. The only way I could see that happening uh, with, with them breaking the Super 2 is if they just get dismantled with injuries enough that they need to make a move like that. But outside of that, I, I think that the, the limit is going to be at least June, but it, it could be a little later than that, depending on how he progresses. I mean, he only played, I think, like, eight games at triple a i mean he batted like 455 in those in those eight games but at the same time he didn't really spend a long time there so he he's probably going to spend at least two to three months there i would imagine which would bring him to about that june mark so i guess that would be another conversation to have once we get closer to that point but it's going to be no earlier than june in my opinion unless the catchers on this team just get completely eroded with injuries yeah which would likely mean we have hedges and heineman going um, up to that point as the two catchers. I think that's kind of why, you know, fans are, are pushing so much to see him earlier. Like if he goes into spring training and tears it up, you are going to have the same situation last year as you did with Onio Cruz, where the fans are calling for him to be the opening day catcher, or e- at least on the roster opening day along with Hedges. If you go with Hedges because of what he brings defensively and just w- how he's going to handle the pitching staff, Okay, but I think people are really going to want to see Andy on the big league club to open the season if he has the spring training that we think he's capable of having. But I'm in agreement with you. Like, I don't think it happens. I just think we're going to see very similar situations, a lot of parallels between how Andy is handled, both by the fan base and the organization, and how we saw O'Neill Cruz handled by the fan base and the organization. Yeah. Um. A little bit more pirates talk. We what was that like a good like ten minutes or so talking about the pirates yeah, this week? Something yeah. like that. I, I mean, you bring back Andrew McCutcheon, then yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Um, we we started this podcast while Andrew McCutcheon was still a pirate, and he's back. Yeah, 2017. And I thought what I thought you were going to say is when we first started, a big portion of the show was pirates, just because like we kind of built a foundation there uh, of bringing on some of the minor league guys oh, and yeah, creating connections sure. with those guys. And now it's to the point we're still fans. Don't get us wrong, but it's just it's at a different uh, different point now. The organization's in a totally different place at this point, though. Like, and don't get me wrong, I'd happen- still love to talk to prospects too. Yeah, but. absolutely. Uh, we got to get the one, the one guy I keep thinking about because I really think he's going to take off even more so this year. He could make his debut. You didn't have the opportunity to talk to Mike Burrows. Um, mm-hmm. That was one that you weren't. I, I don't remember what was happening, but I, I had to do it solo. Um, great dude. He's repping the merch now, too. He sent me a, a picture recently of him rocking one of the hats. So um, got to get him back on so you have the opportunity to talk to him, too, because he's a really uh, relaxed guy and I think relates a lot with us. So Nice. Um, but yeah. Anyways, let's move on and talk some Steelers. Uh, I think that I-, I was hoping by this time we would be able to talk about some staff changes or non-changes if they were going to come out and make a statement about it. One way or another, at some point they are going to say what is happening with the staff, specifically Matt Canada is the guy that we're circling here that we want to hear about. But Mike Tomlin is now attending to a personal matter. So this has kind of all been put on hold. Obviously, first and foremost, you know, Whatever's going on, we hope the best for Coach Tomlin. Whatever that situation is, we have no clue what that could be. It could be a wide range of things, so maybe it's not even something bad. But again, just hoping for the best. Hope that it isn't. Um, and but you know, from a Matt Canada level, I think that we've gotten to the point. You went as far as last week guaranteeing that Matt Canada would be back as the offensive coordinator. It seems like that's the way that a lot of people are starting to feel as time goes on. But now with this coming out, you know, we're like, we weren't going to hear anything anyway yet because of Tomlin dealing with some personal matters. Now the speculation is just going to continue to tumble for as long as this takes. I don't know if, if Tomlin's going to be, just be like a couple days or how this is going to affect things. But you're just seeing like different offensive coordinators fired around the league. You're seeing staff changes around the league. And here the Steelers are still at this point with, with no news coming out of the organization. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that when you fire a guy like an offensive coordinator – it really depends on what organizations you're going to look at in order to replace that guy. So, or if you, even if you look in an organization, maybe you look at college or whatever, I, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do. Um, but I, I think that it tends to happen that the guys who are getting hired as coordinators outside of uh, like from different organizations are on the better teams and those better teams are still playing. So to me, mm-hmm. If they're going to get somebody that is getting promoted, I would think that guy is probably still coaching on a roster that is still in the playoffs at this point. 
So maybe it isn't as urgent because sure. I mean, they could fire Matt Canada and just kind of sit on the spot really like real quick, but I, I just don't really see why they would do that. If the guy's still playing, um, unless they've already talked to the person that is still coaching uh, in, in the playoffs, but that that's just like my take on it. I, I don't see. No, that's, that's a good point. I, I don't, I don't know that a lot of people have brought that up, but I mean, well, yeah, I mean, look of- at, look at a lot of the guys that have been hired recently as either head coaches from coordinators of other teams or guys that have been promoted to coordinators. Um, it, it's typically guys that are on playoff caliber teams. And so the, those guys are still playing. So even if they, they fired Matt Canada, who, who's going to replace them? I, I mean, I, I'm not looking for a specific name here, but typically you would think that guy's on a good team and that's why he's getting that promotion. So that's probably why me, I'm not really worried about that. And, and I'm still in the camp that I just don't think it's happening. I, I, I don't think they're going to fire him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they, he'll be back in 2023. But if it is, unless they were looking at a guy that is on a team outside of the playoffs or a college coach, I don't see the rush to really fire him if the coach that you're going to replace him with is still coaching in the playoffs. And maybe that's why notoriously the Steelers do handle staff changes so slowly is because, you know, while they have the ability to do so, while you see other teams around the league doing so and moving through the process, the Steelers just don't believe in that. And maybe that is part of the reason. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about that. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that does make a ton of sense. Maybe the guy is still, you know, a quarterback coach or an assistant somewhere on a team uh, that they want to key in on is, is on a team in the playoffs still, who knows Um, who's not in the playoffs anymore. Who people have been talking about is Byron Leftwich, Um, And he was fired. I don't don't know if they've made that official yet from the Buccaneers, but it's been put out there that they're going to move on from him. Uh, This has been speculated for a long time that this was coming. Uh, The offense kind of fell apart this year in Tampa. Obviously, you have 45-year-old Tom Brady at the helm of it. The offensive line was not good, and it was a Band-Aid of an offensive line. They had completely different five combinations, starting five combinations throughout the entire year, different five guys. Um, But I think that if you've watched Buccaneers games, if you've went back and watched them on film, you can take that away. You can take out the bad quarterback play that they got a lot of the season from Tom. You can take out the offensive line. And you can still see that it is not a good scheme. And Byron left, which is a very uninspiring. That sounds pretty similar caller. to the 2021 Steelers. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I don't, I don't understand the people clamoring for Byron Leftwich. to be quite honest with you. I know that he was the offensive coordinator there when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Um, I think that you had a better version of that offense. Obviously that's easy to say. You also had Bruce Arians there, another really good offensive mind to help out. He gave credit to Byron for being the play caller. So, um, so I know some people have been like, Oh, maybe it was BA calling plays. I know like people said, Tom is the one calling the plays because we've been hearing that for a little bit. Bruce Arians himself said that it was Byron. He gave him the credit for doing so when they won the Super Bowl. So that leads me to believe that would still be the case now. And might be him very calling plays, play but call. whose plays is he calling? Was he yeah. calling Arians' plays? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's – I mean, that's another good point. But, again, when I watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play, there's a lot of things not related to personnel that I don't like about the offense. So – I just I don't see Byron Leftwich as much of an upgrade, if at all, over Matt Canada, as crazy as that is to say. I mean, my opinion on why I think people want a guy like Byron Leftwich is kind of similar, but not not the same way. But like why people have were flirting with the idea of like, hey, maybe Mike McCarthy can come to the Steelers. It's just because he's a Pittsburgh guy. Byron Leftwich was with the Steelers and he has that connection. And so I think Steeler fans just love to make that connection. Um, two guys that they bring into the organization. So that would be my opinion on why I think people are so high on Leftwich outside of looking at his actual like play calling and how he did as an offensive coordinator this year. I think they just looked that he had a connection with the Steelers, was a quarterback for them. He had that didn't didn't he break his arm in a preseason game or was something like was it his arm? I it thought it was been. his arm. I think I thought I, it was I, his I, arm. Like, he, I forgot he got hurt in a pre, he got a per, yeah. hurt in a preseason game. Um yeah. But, yeah, I, that's just why I think that they're making such a strong connection with him as the offensive coordinator. I don't think there's actually much smoke to that ever actually happening. Um, I, I don't think the Steelers have interest, but I just think that's a, a kind of like a fan-made thing that people want him. And just just like I said with the Mike McCarthy thing, Mike McCarthy is from Pittsburgh. And so whenever 
he was let go of Green Bay. All Steeler fans were up in arms, like maybe maybe we should bring in Mike McCarthy to replace Tomlin because he's a Pittsburgh guy. I, that that's just how I see it. I don't I don't think he actually brings a ton of value, or at least it would be much of an upgrade from what you're getting from Canada right now at the offensive coordinator spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think too, it's just they he had he was on a staff that had recent success. You know, obviously winning the yeah. Super Bowl a couple years ago. So I think when you have that too on your resume, people are going to see that as an automatic upgrade. I'm not so sure, but I, I will say I wouldn't hate the addition to the offensive staff like in some capacity, almost like, you know, finding a role for Brian Flores in the organization. If they were to do something like that with Leftwich, just adding another mind to the offensive room, I'm not against that by any means. I just don't know that he's the person that I want steaming up the offense um, for second-year Kenny Pickett. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, if, if he could be like a – I mean, I don't want to necessarily want him scheming up the offense, but like a, a – say like a passing game coordinator – sort of thing like like a basically a smaller role of coordinator actually designing plays instead of being the being the uh call signaler during the games i don't know but because i don't really know where where the steelers would add him offensively outside of more so just like a a specific game coordinator or like some sort of offensive analyst so i don't hate the idea of him working with kenny i don't like him the idea of him coming up with his own plays like that's what i see on tape is is again like i feel like i talked about this with canada too is the route concepts like nothing is easy for that offense nothing is steamed open in tampa's offense right now and everything is is super which when you have tom brady even at 45 years old he can throw the ball into very tight windows so like at times they were able to make it work enough to still win that crappy division but it, it it's brutal to watch it was the worst play even people that cover the team were saying this is the worst playoff team that they've seen in a very long time the tip and they also i picked them to win i will say this against the cowboys they got blown out so that was my one like really true miss of the weekend because going back to our upsets both happened the jags massive comeback on the chargers happened and your giants beating the vikings so that one was a bit of a toss-up for me but i was so sure tampa was going to eliminate dallas it just because it was Tom it, in the playoffs and Dallas. It, in the yeah, playoffs. it seemed like it was just written in the stars. Tom Brady in the playoffs plus Dallas chokes in the first <sighs> round. It, it seemed yep. like it was meant to be. The other two games though, those were a lot of fun. I mean, that Jags game was unbelievable. the The second half that the Jaguars put on was awesome. I I think mm-hmm. that, I mean, not not that I think that they're going to beat the Chiefs, but I think they could be dangerous towards the Chiefs if they play like they did in the second half as opposed to the first half for sure. Um, they always but, find a way Kansas city, like defensively, but realistically, if you look at that defense, Jacksonville should be able to like, you know, put some points up against them. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a shootout. I just think Kansas city ends up winning that shootout. Right. Yeah. Um, and also speaking of Tom Brady for the last time, um, mm-hmm. or at least last time in this episode, do we <laughs> think he retires? He, he He's out of the postseason. He retired for like six weeks last year. So yeah. do we think he actually hangs it up or does he go to a different team, go to a broadcast booth? Kind of like what like Joe Buck was saying like last night on the broadcast, like where do we see Tom Brady end up next year? Or is it just on a couch in his house? <laughs> it's funny because like everybody seems to be closing the door on Tampa at this point, like which I, I do think it's time to just reset for them and Tampa at this point. Like you got what you wanted out of out of that marriage for a couple seasons you got your super bowl everything worked out for a couple years but i think it's time to rehaul there um hearing tom talk throughout the season up until last night uh it seemed like there was no question he was going to continue to play football after the season i think that like you look at just from his personal life which i don't want to talk about you know in detail at all like that's his own thing he, he gave up so much, though, to come back. Is it really just going to be for one more year? And look at the year that it was. So I, I'm leaning towards, yes, he's going to continue to play football. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know what team is going to be on, though, because I don't think I mean, it's the Raiders Bucks. are the. Yeah, the, the, the Raiders, I guess that makes sense. They they benched Derek Carr late in the season. They would need a quarterback after that. McDaniels there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that that would that would be a good fit, potentially. And then, then how you, funny would it be if it was the Colts? Like just another old quarterback that the Colts bring in. They're not going to. They they basically said they're going draft route finally. But yeah, 
Yeah, although it would be so funny because everybody was talking about this year how the AFC West was going to be Mahomes, Herbert, uh, Wilson, and Carr, like the, the best quarterback division. Yeah. Now you replace Carr with Tom Brady. Yeah, I and mean, then it, imagine it, if like Ross does you know, figure it out next year. Like they get yeah. a new coach and they figure something out there. Like that, And that, I, that I mean, g- given – Giving Tom Brady a shiny toy and Devontae Adams, that's that's not a bad matchup. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, there's a couple more things I want to talk about with Steelers, but then, of course, I want to come back. and We've already kind of started to talk about NFL playoffs, but we'll come back to that. Um, Anthony Miller brought back on a one-year deal, which was kind of interesting. I feel like he was kind of a forgotten guy, the fact that he wasn't able to contribute uh, due to a training camp injury this year uh, with his shoulder, didn't play at all, was on IR the entire season. I feel like, though, had he been healthy – he makes the team, in my opinion, first off. He was having a great training camp. Uh, also, I think that he ends up being the starting slot receiver, like post-Chase Claypool trade. I don't think that we see Gunner and Steven Sims as much if Anthony Miller's there. I think that he. this is – I kind of like this signing. I, I think that it takes away – they're still going to add a receiver, and I think it's going to be somebody that can play in the slot. But this takes away, like, the pressing need of it. I mean, I know that, like, his career in Chicago wasn't great by any means, but he had, you know, two seasons over 50 catches. Like, he's somebody that I think could contribute in the slot and be a better player than I think people realize. I was excited for this guy this season prior to that injury happening. Yeah, I, I think it's a good depth move for this receiver core. I, I think that he he can contribute, and I think we were both in the camp that this was a guy that was actually going to get the touches and, and whenever we were talking about coming out of camp, like who are the receivers that we thought were going to make it out of camp? Well, yeah, I actually had him over of, Miles Boykin. Yeah. Then, the injury kind of derailed our predictions on that. I, I thought we, we both thought Anthony Miller was going to make it. Um, but I, I think that he's a quality receiver that could be a good depth option. And I mean, you have Calvin Austin next year too. If, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Miller is your number four receiver, assuming that they don't draft one. I mean, the Steelers are very well may draft one. It's the Steelers. So he might even be your number five at that point, but at least your number four, I I think that's not bad if you've got the other three in front of him. Yeah, I also think it's very possible that he ends up being, uh, like, would they want to bring Steven Sims back? Like, I think this is a signing also for the return game because I think if he's healthy, he probably gets a shot before Steven Sims to do so. And I, and I liked what Steven Sims brought it, it, kick returns. The, the punt returns were, you know, here and there, but I thought he looked pretty explosive as a kick returner. I added something we haven't seen in years. Um, once he got that role over gunner, but I don't know that he even gets that shot if it's not for Anthony Miller. And I think Anthony Miller could be that guy this year. So yeah, I'm looking at it like right now, I know we are very far away from that being the case, but if you're asking me right now what that wide receiver room is, it's Deontay Johnson, it's George Pickens, it's Calvin Austin, it's Anthony Miller. It's an addition to the wide receiver room, and it's Miles Boykin being brought back too because of what he offers on special teams. I think Gunner's not back. I think he gets released, and I don't think they bring Steven Sims back. And by addition, you mean DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is like there there is people, like not obviously anybody – not anybody that actually like no is in the no yeah just like people saying oh how sick would it be to have d hop in pittsburgh like not looking at the fact he's 30 years old making a ton of money off of ped suspension he was still productive when he came back but man that's there's no way you know the steelers aren't going to have two high paid receivers like that yeah yeah so there's no way i do like anthony miller being back though um you mentioned uh, we we've been mentioning some coaching staff changes potentially taking place. We know for sure Brian Flores will not be getting the Browns defensive coordinator job as they've hired Jim Schwartz. I think that though I, I think there's still a possibility he gets that Arizona Cardinals head coaching gig though. And I think their recent GM hire kind of makes me think that's more of a possibility than I originally thought when he interviewed. Not that he's not a worthy candidate. I just felt like there were going to be other ones that they would choose over him from the role that he was in being elevated all the way up back to head coach. Not that he should have ever taken that, that much of a drop down by the way, in terms of what his position was, but um, their new GM comes from the Patriots organization. He, he was with the Titans most recently, but he kind of came up through the Patriots organization, which is where Brian Flores came up. So when you have that type of familiarity to me, I just think it's more of a possibility that I had originally thought that Brian Flores ends up landing that gig. If he doesn't, I mean, listen, I would selfishly, I would love to see him back on the staff next year. I think he deserves a bigger role. 
I still tend to think he's going to end up landing a defensive coordinator gig somewhere else, even if he doesn't get that Cardinals head coaching job. Yeah. First off, we have no idea that the St- the, the the Browns, excuse me, uh, picked Jim Schwartz over Brian Flores. We just know that he is the defensive coordinator. Brian Flores might have said no, because if I was him, I would have said no to to going to Cleveland. Anyone with a brain probably would have said no. That's mainly a joke. They probably they, they probably did pick him <laughs> over him, but at the same time, Brian Flores, it's good that you're not going to Cleveland just for your own sake. Um, as for Arizona, I, I I think that could make a lot of sense, and I, I think if Arizona and granted it's a different GM, but if that's an organization that was willing to hire Cliff Kingsbury with his college track record, who was basically hired as a uh, as a head coach in the NFL based off of the the second year success of Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I think that there's definitely a case that, that could be made for Brian Flores to be going to Arizona. I, I mean, this is a more established uh, head coach in the league. He had some, some winning seasons in Miami when he was head coach for a few years. And I, I think that it definitely makes total sense that he's going to get elevated this year, whether it's in Arizona or not. And like you said, I think he's going to get at least a defensive coordinator spot somewhere. I was pretty shocked that the Steelers got him on a linebacker coach last year, the way they did, as opposed to another team snatching him as a defensive coordinator. So the fact that he lasted this year and the, the Steelers defense, I mean, the linebackers weren't great, but at the same time, Brian Flores has the pedigree then the defense as a whole improved um, throughout the season. So I, I do think he gets elevated at some point. Like I said last week, he's the one guy that I think is going to be for sure gone on this coaching staff. I think there's a higher ch- – I mean, this might sound stupid. I think there's a higher chance that Brian Flores is going to be gone than Matt Canada is going to be gone. And that's just my full-hearted opinion. I, I, I just truly believe that. And I, I think that's because I think he deserves to have that defensive coordinator – or head coaching spot if he's able to get it, but at least a defensive coordinator spot. And I just think the way the Steelers operate, Matt Canada is going to stay put. Okay. All makes sense to me. Um, Steelers-wise, the last thing I wanted to ask you about. So uh, you're, you're seeing people all over Twitter kind of throw out at this point, Steelers fans, uh, you know, free agents that they'd like to see the Steelers sign. Like Tremaine Edmonds is obviously up there for everybody. That makes a ton of sense. It fills a position of need. There's obviously the roots there. The Steelers were at Virginia Tech's Pro Day. His brother's currently on the team, assuming he's back next year. Is there one guy that you have circled like, this is who I would like the Steelers to sign? Honestly, and this is going to be terrible, honestly, no, because I haven't really looked into it that much, to be just okay. completely honest. I've I've looked way more into, since the season is finalized and we know where we're going to be drafting, I've looked way more into like who I'd want to draft as opposed to who free agents are. Um, and, and I guess the reasoning for that is that the Steelers t- tend to not really sign big free agents. Typically. I mean, they'll, they'll fit, they'll fit pieces, but unless I'm just blanking on people, I just don't remember the Steelers sign. Like miles Jack to me was like a huge free agent signing. And that was one of the bigger ones I felt like in years. Um, so that, that, that I just don't really, really think of free agents that way with the Steelers. I think there's definitely depth pieces that could be had. I just am more focused on the draft right now uh, than free agency. If I'm just keep being completely honest. Yeah. Which by the way, you are going to see a lot more draft talk, draft stuff on here. I feel like coming up in the near future. Um, of course we plan on doing our annual draft show the night of as well. Um, for me, I mean, obviously like dream scenario, reunion with Javon Hargrave again you talked about filling a position of need he's one of the best players at the position can they make the money work and and to your point we've never really seen them you know go fishing for that big fish in free agency at the same time when's the last time that we had a quarterback on a rookie contract like I think that this is the time for them to do so and Omar Khan this is going to be his first full you know off season, are we going to see Andy Wydell, who was obviously in Philly the same time as Javon Hargrave? They cross paths there. How much influence is he going to have? Because he's all about the trenches. He built that offensive line there in Philly. That's one of the best in the league. So I think there's a lot of questions this off season that we wouldn't have had in the past because of how the Steelers have operated. I think this could be a little different. So immediately I go to like Javon Hargrave, but trying to be a little bit more realistic with it. I think like 
an Emmanuel Mosley, a corner that tore his ACL this year, I think could be had on a discount towards the end of free agency, who had a really good 2021 with the 49ers, um, would be in play. Um, I think there is some middle linebacker. Uh, TJ Edwards, I think, makes a ton of sense. Josh Carney threw that one out there, and I really like that too. Even more so than this might be crazy to some people. They, they're probably going to disagree with me. Even more so than Tremaine Edmonds. Jermaine Pratt of the Bengals is a free agent. I would love to poach him from Cincinnati that, just because that's like a double thing for me. Like it, it's not only are you getting a really good player at middle linebacker, a three down guy, you're taking him from the Bengals and it's almost like payback for taking Mike Hilton. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I, I, I've been thinking about that one a lot too, but we will see how it plays out. It's just interesting because like I said, these are conversations we wouldn't have had in the past. Maybe them having a little bit more money in a different regime changes those questions that we've had um and then last thing nfl playoffs continue this weekend first things first we, actually let's just go through and pick games i'm curious if you have any upsets happening in this round uh we'll start with the one that i think we're probably going to agree on for sure here kansas city jacksonville i got kansas city in what i hope is a shootout yeah i think kansas city wins i mean i picked them to go to the super bowl i i think that jacksonville like i said earlier is going to be a bigger threat than probably most people would think um, just because Trevor Lawrence has really shown big strides in year two as quarterback. But I, I think that Kansas City's offense is just too much to handle. And when you get into shootouts with that team, it, it's just hard to keep up. There's only there's very few in teams Kansas in the City. league that can do it. And it's in Arrowhead at Arrowhead. So yeah, I'm I'm picking Kansas City too. No upset there. All right. Uh Buffalo, Cincinnati. And I don't know that this one would be an upset regardless of who you pick. Neither team, I think, played the way in the first round of the playoffs that we would have expected. I mean, Buffalo had trouble with Miami. Josh Allen had three turnovers. And Cincinnati, very fortunate to walk away with a win over Baltimore with just 234 yards of offense. And this took them returning a fumble 98 yards to put a nail in the Baltimore Ravens and wild card weekend. So um, I'm going to go Buffalo here. I think they have a better chance of the two to figure out the issues that they had wild card weekend. I just don't see Josh Allen having that many turnovers. Um, I, I look at the way that that regular season matchup with them was going, obviously before the DeMar Hamlin situation and Cincinnati was exploiting some matchups. I think their receivers um, they're as tough to handle. Their quick passing game is probably as good in the NFL as you see. I just, when you have no run game, and that is what Cincinnati has had for a very long time, who knows if they're going to have Jonah Williams back, but that offensive line has been banged up and not good again with Joe Burrow behind it. I don't think that they're going to have enough answers for Buffalo. So I got Buffalo in that one. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick Buffalo too. I really was thinking about think, whether Kansas City – or not Kansas City, Cincinnati would win or not. I, I think there's definitely still a chance that, that that's the case, but I'm going to go with Buffalo. Similar to you, like, I mean, especially not even just this past game with Miami, but I feel like after the first half of the season, uh, Josh Allen kind of, like, didn't perform as well as he did, like, at the start of the season – and I, I think that he's going to turn that around throughout this postseason with the next couple of games. And I think that continues on this Sunday. Um, I, I think that uh, the fact that it's in Buffalo is going to play a factor as it seems to always do for, for these winter games. And I, I think that kind of similar to Kansas City in a sense, like Buffalo can definitely get into shootouts and, and be able to win those shootouts as well. I, th I think this game is going to be a, a type of a shootout game. I, I think it will be a little back and forth, but I do think Buffalo comes out on top. Okay. Um, Philly and the New York Giants. How about three of the four NFC teams remaining being NFC East teams, by the way? Oh, wow. I know. I know. Um, I am, I I've gone on the fence about this because part of me was thinking, okay, if the first round went the way that I thought it was going to where Tampa wins – they would be the team going to Philly and Philly, despite being that one seed, there were so many warts that I saw about that team in the regular season where I'm like San Fran to me is the best team in the NFC over Philly. It wouldn't shock me if somehow Tampa won that first round and then also upset Philly in the second round. And all of a sudden Tom Brady's back in the NFC championship. Obviously that's not happening. It's New York going there, but man, I am, I think I'm low key a New York giants fan right now. 
after watching that game. I, I love their coaching staff. Danny Dimes is playing really good football. I've always liked Saquon, and I'm so happy that he's healthy now. And my heart is with the Giants. It wants to pick the Giants. I'm going to go Philly in a close one. But I think the Giants, I mean, they're at this point. I don't think they can catch anybody by surprise now. But they're they're obviously much better in one of the best coach teams in football than I think a lot of people expected them to be. All right. Just so we have a little bit of parity in this, because we picked the two, same two games, I'm going to go with the Giants. I, I, I So the last time the Eagles and the Giants played, the, the Eagles won 48-22, to 22, and I think the Giants are going to be ticked off when they play this game. They're going to want some revenge. That game was about a month ago. Um, and I think going into this, I, I just think looking down the streps, the Giants are hungrier. I, I, I see some cracks in what Philadelphia was at this point in the season. And uh, to be honest, I, 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 how do I put this? I, I don't really know. I want Jalen Hurst to show me that he can do it in the postseason. Um, because I look at a guy, guys similar to Jalen Hurts, like a Lamar Jackson, like those. And I, I don't want to sound like I have a stigma against rush, running quarterbacks, but like it's different in the postseason. They don't really get that far in the postseason. So I want Jalen Hurts to be able to show me that he's a mobile quarterback that can get past that hurdle of the stigma of a running quarterback in the postseason. But I'm actually going to go with the Giants. I just think they've been playing really good football the past few weeks. They played really good football against the Vikings on the road, and I think they're going to do it again this week in Philly. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I understand there's obviously going to be they, – they, the Eagles got to win this game. I mean, there's so much more pressure on them than there is on the Giants. And, yeah, to kind of erase that stigma, Jalen Hurts needs to win this football game. Obviously, when you give him A.J. Brown, who wasn't there last year, he's going to be able to take that. You look at other quarterbacks, like that leap that they took, you know, like two was playing really good football this year, obviously, before the injury and stuff. He got Tyree Kill before the season. Josh Allen, when he took that leap, he got Stephon Diggs in town. Jalen Hurts takes that leap. A.J. Brown's at that. You're, you're seeing a theme here with these young quarterbacks getting these alpha receivers. So, But I like that you're picking the Giants. Hey, that one is hey, probably... bef before Josh Allen had Stephon Diggs, he had Robert Foster for those like last two games of that season <laughs> yeah. in 2017 or whatever. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a fun time. Um, yeah. And then the last one, I'll make this one short and sweet. San Fran, to me, I, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I do like what I saw from the Cowboys. I think a lot of people owe Dak an apology with the performance that he had. Um, he needed that type of performance in the playoffs. I think he came in with the most pressure on his shoulders to perform the way that he did. Um, San Fran just too good on both sides of the football. And it doesn't matter that like Brock Purdy is very limited. I know he had 300 some yards in that game. I think still watching the game, you could see like, okay, like the way things are steamed open for him, they're not necessarily asking him to do a whole lot. And he's still able to put up those types of numbers. All credit to him. He continues to play some really solid football. He's not making mistakes. They're just too good on both sides of the football. That's the best defense by far. I, I think they have enough answers for that Dallas offense. I got San Fran. I really like Dak. I really like the Dallas offense. They played really well against Tom Brady and the Eagles on Monday, or not the Eagles, the Buccaneers on Monday night. However, the 49ers are the best defense in football. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. 49ers by 90. <laughs> 90. All right. <laughs> yeah. I So we got, you got the Giants, and that's the only difference. The other three would be the mm -hmm. same. Um, which I I, I, actually, I mean, well, I hope your heart, you, your heart wants the Giants. I know. And, the I, and I hope that you're right because otherwise that's very boring. You got the one and two seeds in, in both conferences. So I hope that you're right with it being the Giants. Um, I mean, honestly, to me, great. like the, the, the AFC, the NFC is more interesting. The AFC to me, I mean, honestly, the, it is the three best teams, assuming that the Jags don't win in Kansas City. If, 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 if it is, then that would be really interesting. But if it is Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati, that's just kind of the, the chalk vanilla teams that you were expecting to be there anyway. So outside of Jacksonville, the NFC is more interesting to me anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, and moving on then to talk about the Penguins. Uh, they lose to the Jets and Canes, and you're just they're in a they were in a rut. And when's the last time? Say, this is a genuine, not to cut you off, genuine question. When's the last time we beat the Hurricanes? Feels like we lose one score games to the Hurricanes, and that's what it's been forever. Yep. 
yeah, the previous ones were in overtime. This one happened in regulation, but I have no clue. I couldn't tell you. Got to find out, but you can continue to talk now. Um, and then they get back in the W column by beating the Ducks, but it wasn't necessarily pretty. I mean, it took that uh, Brian Ruskell with about 20 seconds left uh, to send the game to overtime before Gensel buries the OT winner. Um, now, I- I'm not s- going to sit here and make excuses. Obviously, they aren't at full health right now, but I think that we all kind of could see that they were going to have stretches like this when you are relying on you know older players to carry your team they're not going to be able to do it for 82 games and the penguins do not have the depth to make up for it when those guys go cold. So, you know, if you have Sid have a stretch of hockey where he's just not putting up points, if you have Gino have a stretch of hockey where he's not putting up points, you only have Chris Latang on the ice. This team is struggling to find offense. Um, it was obviously nice to see them get back in the win column against the ducks. We hope that that happens. The schedule eases up. You're going to get some bodies back. Uh, Chris Latang back with the team now. Um, he's not going to be on the trip, but he is back with the team, so that's good news. The really good news here is Jeff Petrie, Ryan Paling, Tristan Jari all traveling with the team and will have a shot to suit up. Um, so it's obviously great to get bodies back. It's just, I guess, my, my question in all of this is, do you think that getting these guys back is going to provide enough of a boost where you know we're talking about the Penguins similar to the way where they were playing really good hockey? Like, Do you think they are closer to that team? the team that was on that that really good stretch of hockey where do you think they're you know kind of where the team is where they are at now i don't think the team is where they are at now um i do think that they are a better team maybe they're not a winning 13 out of 16 game type of team but i think they're at least a above 500 team i i, I think that a lot of their problems out i mean there's definitely been problems play on the ice and a lot of that is even personnel issues on the ice but I think part of the problems is with their lineup has been personnel issues and the lack of some of the players that they had in their lineups. I, I think that that could help fix things. Um, but I, I do think that when they get these players back, they will be able to come up with the lines and hopefully come up with the correct lines or what I would assume would be the correct lines um, to put the Penguins in the best position moving forward. But I do think it will help and get, get a boost. Also, I looked going back um, – to 20 sometime during the 2018 so last time we won several games like multiple games in a row against carolina was in 2018 and over the last 11 games against carolina were two and nine and seven of those games have been one goal games wow i don't know if enough people are talking about that that's crazy that dominance that they've had over us um Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see what the line combinations are specifically on defense, because you're going to be getting, they got Pedersen back after a couple game absence with the onus. But when you get Petrie and Latang back, like who is it that we see come out of the lineup? Because like Ty Smith, you thought was just going to be like a short stint here, but he's also like leading them in time on ice most games. So, I mean, it, what what's that about? Like how is Sullivan going to go from giving him the most time on the ice to not having him in the lineup? Yeah, I honestly, I don't know because I think the natural answer is, okay, Ruedel is going to come out for sure. But then would it be Ruda or Ty Smith? I would think it would be Ruda because I, when I look at the, the pairings themselves, I think if you have Latang, Petrie, and Ty Smith all on the right side, that's just offensive, offensive, offensive. Not, I mean, Latang's the most defensive among the three of those guys, but it, it, they're all three offensive defensemen. So on your left side, you better have all three defensive defensemen, which I mean, with Dumlin, who shouldn't be in the lineup still, but I digress. Um, Pedersen and who's been there? Th- Friedman. I mean, you kind of have that if, if you stick with that. And if they want to take Friedman out and put Rue Weedle on his off offside on that left side, which I, I would prefer they'd keep Friedman in there, but they have had yeah, a history POJ. of putting or, or P- POJ. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. <clears throat> so with those, I, I think that would work if you have basically your right side is the offensive guys, left side is the defensive guys. But I don't know who's going to come out. My gut would be Ty Smith, even though he's been playing the most, just because I think they want Ruta in there. Yeah. It also should say it. Ruta isn't making this trip now either. He had a maintenance day, and then he was on the ice. Um the day of the game against the Ducks, but then wasn't in the lineup. So something clearly happened there, but he's not going with him to Ottawa, so we won't have to see about that then. Obviously, the tag's not back yet anyways, but these are questions 
I'm posing now for down the line. When you do have everybody back, how are things going to shake out? Because unless a trade is coming here in the near future, like you're going to have a log jam there and somebody that probably should be playing isn't going to be playing because you're going to continue to see Brian Dumoulin in the lineup. I mean, I, I think a trade needs to be coming, whether it's defensive or offensive, just to oh, sh- yeah, sure. kind of light, mm-hmm. a, light a spark for this team and, and bring in some new blood, honestly. I, I, and I think it's kind of a, a litmus test for how is Hextall doing and where is he at with his, him being the GM of this team because Fenway Sports, Sports Group, like, I, I feel like they're probably it's, – it's crunch time. You need to put up or shut up with Hextall, and he needs to make this team better and show that he's able to do that through making trades for this team. And if not, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility that if the Penguins fizzle out this season, and I, I don't want to even throw this out there, but the potential that maybe the, what if they move playoffs, Hextall's definitely gone. Yeah. Uh they didn't hire him. This isn't their GM hire. I mean, he's kind of, to me, I would think already on thin ice, you know, when it came out, was it just this past off season where he couldn't like tell them what his plan was? Like there was no way yeah. for him to explain what it was. I, I don't necessarily think they're super impressed with the job that he's done and they didn't hire him. So like the leash doesn't need to be. Super it kind of reminds me. Have you ever seen Parks and Rec? Yeah. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Ron Swanson whenever he, he has his will. And it's just a bunch of symbols. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, <laughs> like, what do these mean? And they're like, the person who kills me will know. That, that's, that's Ron Hextall with Fenway Sports Group. <laughs> with what's your plan? The, the person that executes the plan will know. I, uh, yeah. And I, I will say, you mentioned like the line combinations and stuff too. The one thing that I continue to like when they do it sparingly is Jeff Carter on the wing. Uh, it happened first at docks with John Gruden. Shout out to him, making his NHL debut. Um, I, he's not going to be a mainstay. I think as soon as you get like Paling Archibald back, we're going to see him be the one to go. But what I would like to see stay because Paling can also play center is Carter continuing to play third wing as opposed to him centering that line i just think he's more effective in that role well and that's that's where we've said that's best suited to make the team better um he he's a liability in his own end and in the neutral zone when he's a center as a wing you take away some of that defensive strain from the center position and he's able to to not have as much responsibility on the ice it just makes the the team better when he's out there but just because his, his he doesn't have the legs and he doesn't have the the youth that he once had to be able to keep up as a center and continue to have that defensive responsibility. Yep, exactly. I mean, the defensive responsibility aspect of it is really where, you know, I'm coming from when I have the opinion that I do in terms of putting him on the wing. So uh, again, we'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I, I When you look at the bottom six right now, and I don't know what in the world happened this season to Danton Heinen, but you're getting absolutely nothing there, regardless of who's playing there. Um, well, recently, I should say, because I think Josh Archibald, surprisingly enough, was adding something. Do you think that Josh Archibald and Ryan Paling really were as important to this team as as it looks like they were? Or, you know, were, was it kind of a mirage and you don't think that they're going to provide a boost when they are back? I, I think they were. Funny enough, because it was such a meme that Josh Archibald, Josh Archibald was back in this offseason. Um mm-hmm. I, I think going into the season, there were low expectations on what they could bring. And this is probably looking at the bottom six now, a similar what to what we thought they were going to bring. But we saw in that stretch where they were winning games that they could actually be effective. And we saw with them out of the lineup, what changed? I mean, the bottom six stopped doing anything. And I don't think really think that's a coincidence. I think there there's a correlation there. So with those guys being able to come back into the lineup, that should give a spark to that bottom six because I, I, I just refuse to think that they it was just pure dumb luck that they were playing the way they were whenever the Penguins were winning games. And then whenever they're out of the lineup, the Penguins start losing games and the bottom six does bad. Yeah, I know. It's just it's hard to think that those guys are important as it looks like they were. Um but hey, if it takes Ryan Paling and Josh Archibald in the lineup to have a good Penguins team, I guess that's what needs to happen. Um, at the expense of probably when you look at it now with who's playing Gruden and O'Connor, you would think would be the two that have been in the lineup that would come out. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I mean, honestly, I, there was that. Did you see that Alex Nylander goal last week that he had down in yes. Wilkes-Barre? 
I, I, I tweeted out that it was like, I would rather have Nylander des- despite how bad it could be for the, whatever, how many games he would be up here over probably four to five guys that are currently rostered in the NHL. I would rather just see him playing to give him a shot because you're, you're getting nothing anyway. So what, what worse could it get? Yeah. I actually thought it was going to be him over Gruden getting a shot. So it was kind of surprising. They obviously, you know, prioritize the center there, but I didn't, you know, even though I wanted, want them to move Carter to wing, I didn't know that that was going to be happening. So I figured, you know, still Sid, Gino, Carter, Bluter down the middle when they would bring up a winger, but they went for Gruden. Great for him. Awesome to see him make his debut. Got to do his rookie lap. Obviously, hit the post uh, in the game. In no the game lid. On his second shift. So yeah, no lid on the on the skate either. So you like to see that type of confidence already. One of the few guys yeah. doing that. Um, but yeah, I I think that that's it. Obviously, I mentioned the first half of the season. I didn't know this, but uh, Steve Mears brought it up on the broadcast. The Penguins had the toughest schedule in the first half of the NHL season, and now their back half is it eases up quite a bit. So um, the next stretch of hockey that we got here, I know they got the Senators in a home and home, um, and then you got the uh, the Devils. So that's a pretty decent team, and then the Panthers. So where, where, whoa, 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 where is it? Okay, here we go. Like the next stretch after they got the Avalanche is when it eases. I was going to say, where's the easy stretch? Yeah. I mean, overall, I guess, it, well, they still play the Senators like four times, I guess, three or four times. So that's plays into that. They got the Blackhawks, too, again, at some point. They got the Jackets a few times. Yeah. They play the Sharks coming up. Cumulatively, I guess it's one of the easier schedules. But, yeah, it's it must not be in, like, long stretches. It's just like a game here and there. Yep. So be interesting to see. But you got to play the these teams anyway. You know, and I've said it. I think that they are still, you know, going to by the end of the season end up being a playoff team. I just think that there's also a, a pretty clear visual gap between them and the upper echelon talent. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. Um, but I think that there's a good possibility this this team gets willed to the playoffs by Sid in the second half of the season, and he is not a heart finalist, even though he should be. Hmm. Yeah, because we that's, that's... we saw that a couple years ago, Sid had one of the. It, it was like him and McDavid. It was like him, McDavid, and Drysaddle, or him, McDavid, Kucherov had one of the best second halves of the season. He literally it was the twenty one against the Islanders where they just got completely screwed, like railed over. Um, I, I I think that he should have been a heart finalist then. There's a good possibility that it could happen again this year because I just feel like Sidney Crosby will refuse to miss the playoffs. And if he yeah, has to I do mean, it by himself, he's going to. From a from a point standpoint, just strictly number of points, he's now tied for 17th. So, I, I mean, obviously with what you're saying, you think he's going to get hot and will the team to the playoffs, so I don't know where he's going to finish. But I'm just saying, like, to see a guy that far down win it, even if he is the most valuable player, it's just not – I mean, McDavid is 83 points. He is 15 points higher than second place. Who's what? Drysidle? Drysidle. 68. <laughs> Who is six points on the next guy? And McDavid and Drysidle are probably, I don't know, 50 points higher than whoever is the third place person on the Oilers. Um, it, probably, it probably is kind of like in uh, 2009 with the, with the Penguins because they uh, both have a point tonight as well. Oh, do they? They're because, winning against the Kraken 2 1. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Malkin had 113 points. Crosby had 103 points. And then the next highest was Stahl, who had 49 points in 2009. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 53 points. He actually has more points than Sid this year, too, right now. 21 goals and 32 assists. And then does Hyman's he play with one of those. He has to. There's no way he doesn't. I mean, honestly. Still, Sid's 35 years old. Yeah. No, I, I'm just saying from a, a points perspective, like he has a lot of uh, No, according to Daily Faceoff, Nugent Hopkins is a second-line center, and he's playing with Matthias Janmark and Klim Kostin. What in the world? Yeah, McDavid is uh, with Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman. Okay, well, those guys, both the guys you said have 13 points each. 
that are playing with Nugent Hopkins. So that's crazy. I wonder how many power play points he has. Yeah, that's true. They have the, that they have the number be. one power play in the NHL. Yeah, that, that that very well could be the difference right there. Um, This is now an Oilers podcast, by the way. Uh, no, and but uh, <laughs> see, there you go. Bring Nick back. That's a, that's a throwback to Eddie OG uh, around yeah. the 4 2 listeners. Very, very, very OG. Yeah, there was even merch put out about that. So, um, <laughs> but that about does it here. So, we can't thank you guys enough for watching or listening to this episode. Uh, send any questions or comments our way. Follow us on all social media at around the 412. That's on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. You can uh, give us a like on Facebook. Subscribe and like here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's a five star review, all that good stuff. You can actually subscribe to just like the entire link tree itself as well. And that's always um, right there on our, our Twitter or wherever as well. So do that too. be a friend, tell a friend about the show. And uh, until next week, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>